In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. And this is episode 31. And I have no co-host. I have no idea where my co-hosts are. They've all left me, but I'm sitting here with, uh, with Aaron. Is it Knapp? Canopy. Canopy, yeah. Uh, and, and we're sitting actually in the um, uh, oil and gas process safety uh, conference, and I was able to sit in and listen uh, to Aaron. And Aaron, you have a fascinating story about something that is just really cool. I didn't even know it existed. Um, you work for Dynamic Air Shelters. What do y'all do? So Dynamic Air Shelters produces air-inflated blast-resistant structures. So we've essentially developed a, a, a building, a structure that uh, bends and moves and flexes if it's hit by a shockwave instead of collapsing like a normal building might. Yeah, and so it's a way for pe- uh, people, uh, companies in the oil and gas industry to make sure their people are safe in those environments and in those situations where you need that blast-proof shelter. Before we go further down that route, I want to back you up. How did you get into this? Like, where did, how did this all start? So I got introduced to the company uh, over a decade ago. And at that point, we had the concept of a blast-resistant air structure. And I was a new guy. I was working for uh, one of our distributors, a part of the Floor Corporation. And they said, look, we like this product. We don't really know what to do with it. Hey, new guy, <laughs> come on, uh, come over here and take this on and help sell this, help grow the market. And so myself and another individual got involved with, uh, with Dynamic Air Shelters back then. And uh, it's it's been a, a wonderful roller coaster, if you will. Since then, we've we've gone through all the testing and the development, and uh, I just fell in love with the product, fell in love with the company, and and have been with it ever since. Yeah, so ten years ago, so a decade ago, um, so you have watched the, the the literally the technology that is the oil and gas industry use has changed literally under your feet from ten years ago to now. And, and, and the dynamic air shelter, after watching your presentation, it is a technology innovation. Um, it is something that's new. Um, and, and, and for our audience, you know, inflatable air shelters have been around forever. But to actually use one in a, in a matter to protect from a blast or a ballistic type of incidents is, is novel. Because in my, I've been in this industry for 20 years. Anytime something needs to be, uh, there's a worry about a blast, you need blast protection. There's always rigid. There's always steel. In fact, a lot of times it's reinforced C-cans, right? And somebody did the math and stuck it in the right place. Um, what is the advantage of actually having it inflatable? Well, you know, I like to use the analogy of, uh, of baseball. So, you know, uh, to your point, a lot of people think, okay, blast resistance, it's got to be bigger, thicker, harder, stronger. So we took, we took the concept of think, think of catching a Nolan Ryan fastball. Right. And if you're going to do it without a glove and you're not going to bend your wrist, you're probably going to break your hand. Yep. You're going to shatter your hand. So we, we like to think of ourselves as the catcher's mitt and the flexible wrist. Essentially what we're doing is we're, we're allowing that shock load to be absorbed into the structure, into the shelter, and be deflected up and around the shelter. So we're, we're taking a lot of that force and just laying it out as opposed to trying to defeat it, if you will, reflect it, if you will, like a rigid structure might. Yeah, so the fact that the structure is flexible is actually an asset. So instead of uh, having to meet force with force, it actually dissipates that force and spreads it out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when I think about that, it's, um, it must've been fascinating to actually go from literally the beginning of this a decade ago till now where there's big companies, big oil and gas companies out there using your uh, shelters to protect its people. But in the beginning, was it from a sales point of view, it had to have been a hard sell, right? Cause you're, you're basically, our industry hates change, right? And, and there's a reason for it, right? Cause the risk is so high if you make a change in existing process or existing way you do something, but that had to be a bit of a struggle for you to actually have people at least listen and pay attention and see the benefits, was it? Yeah, it, it absolutely was. And I'll, I'll say that it was those challenging early days that led us to be the successful company that we are today. You know, it used to be that I'd walk into a room full of 50 engineers and I'd be met with a lot of skepticism, a lot of really challenging questions. And now I walk into a room full of 50 engineers and we've spent that last decade answering directly those questions, answering that skepticism. And we validate what we do. So we test and we analyze every aspect of how our shelter is blast resistant. And so I'm able to walk into a room confidently and say, we've tested for this or we've done that type of analysis. And a lot of respect comes with validation in this industry. Yeah. So y'all basically just stuck it out. You've proved from an engineering point of view, because this industry is full of engineers. We're engineering centric industry. And it's, uh, it, it must be, uh, it must be really, um, I don't want to say comforting, but to know that you did all the work on the back end, now you have the buy-in and, and you walk in a room and people um, are just wanting to understand how to do business with you. Now, one of the things that you did that I thought was fascinating when you're up on stage is you talked about how your customers, you work hand-in-hand -hand with your customers. So you're, you're, you're not a vendor, you're a partner, and your customers actually help you craft the end solution. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I like to say that Dynamic, is are they an innovative company? Are we an innovative company? Absolutely. Uh, but we haven't invented anything. It's our customers who have helped us invent our product. So it's their ideas, their suggestions. It's the day in, the day out. It's all those hard questions that came back from, from those early days that helped us to design and develop this product into what it is today. Yeah, and, you know, we've said this on the show a million times, but even though it's a metric, even though it's a KPI, at the end of the day, our industry, everybody in our industry wants their people to go home safe every day. It's, it's in their hearts, right? And it's, um, you know, for you to come in and for Dynamic to come in and be able to show um, how they can actually help their people stay safe in a hazardous environment, that must feel good at the end of the day as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're making people safe, and, you know, that's what we preach inside Dynamic. You know, we, we have enough shelters out there right now to cover tens of thousands of personnel, to keep tens of thousands of people safe. And we talk about that inside Dynamic. It's not what we're making. It's why do we make what we make. It's the purpose behind it. And if I get to go to work every day and blow things up and shoot at it, it's, it's even better. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you're speaking to a, a Marine, so yeah, I get the thrill out of that as well. Um, so w when I think about your portfolio, and, and you had a slide up that had a, a handful of logos of all the oil and gas companies that anybody would recognize out there, you know, those guys are truly global. So when you're doing work with any of the super majors, you know, they may need something here. They may need something in North Africa. They may need something in China and Russia. And y'all are able to do that as well. That's absolutely correct. Yes, we, we uh, are happy to work with the multinationals. Uh, it's not uncommon that when we meet a safety standard within one entity, that we're going to meet that safety standard with them in North America, in, like you said, in Africa, Middle East, Asia. Uh, Russia, we do work all over the world. So you're a global organization. Absolutely. And you have to be. I mean, well, we do. Yeah. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, nowadays, um, these multinationals uh, take a refiner as an example. It, it's harder and harder to justify spending more money to protect a person in North America than it is in Asia, than it is in Africa, than it is in the Middle East. And so they have to be thoughtful and more forward thinking in how they protect their personnel, not just in 
uh, one part of the world, but worldwide. Yeah, it's one of the things a lot of people don't understand about this industry. It's a global industry. So you look at somebody like Chevron or Shell or Exxon or Total, they have facilities and people all over the world. Any place where they operate, they want to make sure they take they take care of their people. Absolutely. Um, so here's a good question. So y'all took 10 years to develop this. You're in the market. You have a good existing group of clientele. But now, now that means you have shelters out there that have aged, right? So do y'all also have to come back and do inspection, maintenance, that sort of stuff of existing shelters? Yeah, we absolutely do. Every structure has a maintenance manual. It has a list of recommended uh, parts to be uh, replaced at certain times. And then we also provide the service of coming out, inspecting the shelter, and ensuring that it still is up to up to par, if you will. Yeah, and one of the things that I want to go back and make sure I make clear here, so we're talking about blast protection, but it's actually more than that. Y'all offer protection from a lot of stuff, right? We do. So we offer protection from uh, blast, absolutely. We offer protection from toxic gases, so we provide our structures uh, in, as a system that uh, provides a safe haven, toxic haven, shelter in place, if you will. Uh, we provide... Um, wind protection, and then general environmental protection. So uh, we, we do work up in the Arctic Circle as an example where it's, it can be 40 below at times and, and a worker can only work for 10, 15 minutes outside before they've got to take a, a 30, 45 minute break to warm up. Yeah, so. and one of the things I saw in your presentation is the fact that you actually can build um, shelters that withstand hurricane force winds. Here in the Gulf Coast, it has to be big. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the inherent design of our structures allows for them to be quite resilient in high winds. And, you know, we say that, that we can make them for Category 3. The engineers say we can do better than that, but we'll, uh, we'll wait until we field test some of those. <laughs> and that's the other thing I thought was cool. So, you know, usually when I come to conferences like this and there's somebody up on stage, what they're showing a lot of times is academia, right? You actually showed real, you showed video of real blasts where y'all are out there physically testing your, your not models, but actual full-size working pieces of equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, validation and proving that we can do what we what we say we can do is is crucial to uh, to uh, dynamic uh, to go out there and and say yeah we've got an air inflated structure and and some engineers put down on a spreadsheet and a piece of paper that it'll take an explosion that doesn't really fly in our industry right uh, so to be able to go out and and detonate these large amounts of explosives. Uh, to try to destroy the structure. Our whole intent is to learn something, is to try to destroy it and have a challenging time doing that has, has really been part of our success. And, you know, our audiences, there's a lot of HSE professionals in the audience, but there's also a lot of operational people in our audience, and they range the gauntlet upstream, midstream, downstream service. And so um, if people aren't aware of where uh, blast-resistant structures are, are safe haven place, where is that typically used in the oil and gas industry? So we're typically using them in refineries, petrochemical facilities right now. Uh, if they're doing work inside a, a unit, whether it's a maintenance work, whether it's a long-term capital project, and they're going to be bringing in uh, large amounts of personnel, temporary personnel, uh, oftentimes it's hard to uh, bring 100, 200, 300 people in close enough to the work and be logistically efficient because they're having to keep them outside of the blast zone. Right. And so you get these productivity losses because people are having to walk for you know half a mile or they're being bussed in. And so you're losing half an hour to an hour a day per person. And so the dollars start to add up really, really quickly. So our shelters are being used in those environments to come back in closer to the work uh, and still keep the workers safe so they don't have to travel as far to the work. You know, it's fascinating. I didn't even think about that. But so besides making sure people are safe, you're actually also affecting productivity and you're affecting the ability for large companies to hit their project deliverables and timelines. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after after some events happened in the past, there was a knee-jerk reaction in the industry 
to move all workers out of all of the blast zones. And then, as you've seen over the course of the years, there have been a few entries, if you will, into the blast-resistant market who have helped um, bring those workers back inside. So re regaining that productivity uh, is also critical to the end user's bottom line. Yeah, it's. Um, I was interested. I was looking at the pictures you had up on the on display, and it's um some of your shelters like the insides are really nice. This is not some tent like you'd have in the circus. I mean, they're they're fully decked out. Yeah, that's true, and that's actually one of our uh, one of our our mottos, if you will, is this is no tent. We do a lot of work to not just make sure we've got a blast resistant structure, but to make a structure that's uh, comfortable, that's nice to be in. Uh, because a lot of times these, these shelters are in challenging environments. They're in highly industrial environments. They're in dusty or cold or really hot environments. And so for the personnel to be comfortable and to be, you know, to enjoy the space that they're in um, helps productivity just as much as getting them closer back to the work. So, you know, we, we focus on natural light large open spans, you know, you don't get this um, cabin fever like you can get in some of the smaller units that are out there on the market. And so it really just helped uh, the morale of the people, if you will, uh, to have a nice environment for them to uh, take breaks in. Yeah, and the, the, one of the ones I saw actually looked like a full force workstation. So you, do, can y'all custom build interior to whatever your clients need? We can. Yeah, we have partners who help us with office spaces on the inside, with lunchrooms, mess hall type setups. Uh, we do meeting rooms, conference rooms, and we actually even have structures that are being utilized for fabrication. So for welding, sandblasting, painting, et cetera. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't think about that because if you're in an area, if, if you're in an area that where there might be um, uh, gases or, or fine dust or, or whatever, and you have to worry about an explosion hazard from the ignition source, but if you put the ignition source in one of your shelters, you now have a barrier between the ignition source and what may possibly be on the outside. Yes, we can develop systems to isolate the inside from any sort of flammable aspects of the outside. Yeah, that is really cool. So, so what else? I mean, it's, um, you know, you use them in refiners, you're keeping people safe, you're helping um, companies make sure they hit their uh, project milestones and the delivery dates. You build beautiful shelters, <laughs> you know. Um, what's coming up in the future? Oh goodness, there's a lot of exciting things Dynamics working on. So the the blast market is just one one market for us and it's our uh, it's our core market if you will. So we are actively expanding into the military. So okay. for from a military aspect, we're able to provide very very large structures that can be put inside of a C130 as an example and when it lands it has its own hangar already inside of its uh, inside of its carriage if you will. So we're able to provide large structures, transportable structures that can move around the world uh, with ease like that. Rapid response, uh, emergency response type structures are, are critical. So we're working with some uh, large multinational organizations on responding to earthquakes, hurricanes, typhoons, et cetera. And we, we've supplied some of these around the world already. And then uh, we have some different markets, some different avenues that we're going down that take us down a slightly different path, and, and that is we're working on the offshore business as well. So we, we have an active uh, research and development project, if you will, to take our structures and use them subsea. So how can we use the same type of structure that we're using now on land and deploy that at depth and cover a leak or a, a leaking pipeline or a ship or a wellhead? and capture those leaking hydrocarbons and, and more effectively funnel them to the surface. Oh, so that's similar to the land, instead of trying to instead of trying to build something bigger, heavier, a massive steel and metal contraption to collect leaking hydrocarbons, uh, we're, we're essentially creating a lightweight, inflatable structure that can be sent to depth. 
That is so cool. That is so. You know, we talked about this before. We turned the microphones on. Is I have a, a fascination with those subsea manufacturers, the Camerons and the GEs and the FMCs and the Ackers. Uh, but to, when I think of their world, I never think of anything flexible. Right? It's it's all mm-hmm. mountains of steel and tubing and pipe and. Man, what a great place to be! Because now you're talking about not just protecting people with what y'all do. But now you actually start talking about protecting the environment when you go down that route. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, just another great way to get up and go to work when you're able to uh, bring so much, um, you know, safety, you know, both to people and to the environment and, and, and to the industry. That is great. Um, it's interesting y'all get in the military. I can see the need for the military and the fact that the, I guarantee you that at least the U.S. military will work with you and help you develop um, products to their standards, their specifications. Um, I don't want to get anything that's into anything that's um, proprietary or top secret or anything, but that also means y'all must be constantly looking at new materials, huh? Yeah, we are. And, and we look at new materials, we look at new types of fabrics, but I can tell you that the core, one of the core aspects of how we design and we develop is we start with standard materials. What can we do with vinyl? or nylon? How can we push that to its limit? And we've actually found some really interesting properties of, of regular materials that allow us to uh, if make units that are cost effective, but also just as effective as you might get with a Kevlar or with some other type of material. So we start there, uh, but we absolutely do have some fabric development and some partners that we work with for some really advanced technology type fabrics to put into our systems. Yeah. So in the last five or six years, um, just in our industry, I've seen a lot of new technology put into not just the materials they make fabrics of, but how the fabrics are actually woven or how the fabrics are actually put together. And, and you're right. Now that I think about it, there's some people doing some really cool stuff with almost off the shelf stuff just because they have the technology to weave it in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, kind of go full circle here. So you started 10 years ago. Um, you were the new guy. They threw you into this. <laughs> you're obviously successful because now you're sitting here speaking. So now it's time for Red Wing safety tip of the week. Aaron? Sure. At Dynamic Air Shelters, uh, we always take time before any of our projects to do a full job site assessment, a hazard analysis, if you will, or a JHA. J- JSA. JSA. JHA. No, JSA. JA. Oh, Patrick. It's all different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. Patrick knows what it is, but he's not here. Job site analysis. Uh, we At Dynamic, before every job, we take time to do a full job site analysis. Uh, we're always coming in, setting up uh, almost a full-size structure, if you will, over the matter of, of days or even hours at times. And so it's really critical for us to get a, a full layout of the land, you know, understand what's buried beneath the ground, understand if there's power uh, lines above, pipe racks, etc. So um, it's always critical, and we always recommend to take as much time as you need to make sure that, that you understand the threats or the hazards that are at the site you're about to do your work in. Man, what a great safety tip, because what happens inevitably is people are rusting, want to hurry up and get the job done. And sometimes they don't look for little things that might be very apparent that can cause somebody to trip or to fall, or maybe you can't secure something like you thought you could. Yeah, great safety tip of the week. All right, so uh, before we get out of here, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Um, so we have the bag winner. Hey, Oil & Gas HSE podcast listeners. While I wasn't able to be there during the interview, I do get to announce the Red Wing Offshore Bag Winner this week. And the winner is... Christian Martinez, a field engineer with Halliburton. Congratulations, Christian. Your Red Wing Offshore Bag is on its way. Aaron, if you'd like to win your own Red Wing Offshore Bag, see the bag right behind me? Yes. Right? It's really easy to do. You go to redwing.redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast, put in your information. We give one lucky winner a week. 
Um, and our audience, if you'd like to win, it doesn't have to just be Aaron. You do the same thing. Redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Uh, no purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. And then we'll talk a little bit about our LinkedIn group. If you like the show or if you don't like the show, you still should join our LinkedIn group. It's Oil and Gas Global Network, right, which is the, the, the powerhouse that all of the podcasts belong to. It's really cool. I see people give advice. I've seen salespeople actually share contacts. Um, you know, you got Paige out there making sure there's no spam. She moderates each and every entry, each and every person that comes on. So it's a sister to all the shows. If, if you like the show, if you like any of the shows, go join the LinkedIn group. You'll be glad you did. And then you ought to go check out our website. So it's oilandgashsne.com. Uh, we have an email list. We promise not to spam you. You sign up and you'll get to hear first when we do new stuff that's not listed on the podcast, like our live event that we've been talking about forever. <laughs> but I promise we're getting there. And then finally, if you like the show, can you do me a favor? Please, please, please leave a review. I will stick a link in the show notes where you can, uh, there's a step-by-step tutorial because iTunes is a little hard sometimes to understand how to leave a review, but the reviews are vitally important for the growth of the show. So Aaron, man, great having you on the show. This is some really cool stuff. If people want to find out more about, about Dynamic, where should they go? Sure. You can go to www.dynamicairshelters.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Okay. And if people wanted to learn about you uh, personally, can we stick your LinkedIn profile in the show notes? Absolutely. Yeah. So if anybody in our audience has an interest in learning more, because this is a fascinating subject, and it was great to watch him present, and I'm sure Aaron would be happy to come to your company and show you what they're doing, reach out to Aaron, reach out to his company. Um, you'll be glad that you uh, reach him. He's a great guy. They're doing some really cool stuff in the industry, making sure people go home safe every day. Aaron, great having your show. We're going to get out of here. So, um, Um, Everybody out there, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. Houston, to London, to Dubai, and beyond. Unfortunately, it involves one of one of my own shelters, and it turns out that we had had a client who had forgotten to uh, turn on their blowers and part of the one of the end units had come down overnight and it's a relatively easy fix Uh, but they couldn't get it to go back up they couldn't get it to reinflate so they called me out to have a look I was it was here in 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 the area and I went down and I was looking at it and there there was a curtain that was hanging that was concealing uh, the end that wouldn't reinflate and when I lifted the curtain I saw that it had latched onto a vending machine which was (laughs) which was dangling about four (laughs) feet above the ground and so I think that's a testament to the strength of our shelters. It was holding a thousand pound vending machine, uh, but it could only get it four feet off the ground. And so shut everything down, um, got them in there to, to unhook the vending machine, if you will, and, and the shelter went right back up.